Welcome to Live with Domery here at Domery Healthy and Fit and Live with Domery podcast channel. We have an amazing guest today, Shayna Stern. She is a finger painted fine art artist who also lives with multiple sclerosis. And today we are going to find out how she finds her passion through art and living a positive life along with the Phantomous Multiple Sclerosis. Stay tuned to watch this incredible interview and see how she brings beauty and light to her life every day. Welcome everybody, Shauna is live with us right, Shan. Oh my gosh, my brain. Oh my gosh, Shayna is on live now. So what, let's pray and hope that all of our internet connections run smoothly today and we are all good. Yes. <laughs> all right, everybody, thank you so much for joining me here on my podcast channel and I'm going to start recording all of my podcasts right here on Live with Domery podcast channel. That way, everyone can see all the podcasts. They'll stay up on the main page, and you can visit anytime. And for those of you that love to listen to podcasts, please follow me on Apple, Live with Domery, and you can also find me on Spotify live with Domery while you're driving and listen to amazing interviews from around the world. But today we are focusing on my gorgeous guest right here in front of us, who is also my multiple sclerosis warrior sister, Shana Stern. How are you? I'm good as long as my internet connection. <laughs> Okay, so Shana, I um in my preview of putting on some podcast, I wanted to let everyone know that you're an incredible artist. You finger paint, you create amazing works of art, and one of them is right behind you. Yes, this is Angel. Love it. It's absolutely beautiful. It glitters. It's like amazing. You can hear the texture that's it's like crazy textures on it wow absolutely beautiful so before we get into the deep interview where can people find you what is your website let's tell them your instagram information and where they can buy your incredible artwork okay so instagram is the best because it's the most updated and it's um shana s-h-a-n-a underscore stern s-t-e-r-n underscore studio Perfect. i do have a website i'm just let i've neglected it but it does have a lot of my stuff on it just doesn't have probably stuff from the past year but uh it will be updated within the next two weeks and that's shanastermstudio.com perfect and that's also on your instagram correct where they can just go straight to your website yes that's correct yes. all right so, do you also have a studio that people can walk into that live close by or up in LA that they can go and purchase your artwork? Yes, I, I have every almost all of my pieces here at the studio where I paint and everything is up. 
And so uh, I frequently have people come do studio tour, even just to kind of, you know, see everything in person so they can kind of really get an understanding. Because my stuff really shifts and changes the light. So in person, it's very different. So I'll have people come and, and look at it and then maybe they'll want a commission, you know, once they kind of see the textures and the effects. I need to come up to LA and take a look at the studio. I mean, I'm right by the beach. It's... I, I gotta come up. We're gonna have to have a girl day after this and like get to know each other even more than we already do. So let's talk about, I, I found you through Instagram or you found me, which is an amazing connection of what we have built with the family of multiple sclerosis community and you have been living with multiple sclerosis for countless years. When were you actually diagnosed with MS? I was diagnosed on Christmas Eve of 1999. So it's very easy to remember. So Wow. Did you have symptoms prior? Were you experiencing problems and that led you to on Christmas Eve, you must have gone to the ER because the problem was is the the Christmas prior. This is really interesting. Prior, I had an episode where I was in all kinds of pain, like really bad nerve pain, which I did go to the hospital for, and they could not figure out what it was, and it went away after a few days or a week or something, and I just kind of forgot about it. Mm -hmm. Then. Right before Christmas, 99, I started to have all of, a whole host of symptoms. Uh, first, the right hand started to claw and atrophy. Then the left one. Then I got what's called the MS hug, so a band around my body that went numb. Mm -hmm. and started to skewer, and I was at the time assisting an A-list director on a feature film in a different state. And when it got to the point that my my hands were literally clawed and I couldn't open them, the producers sent me to UCLA back here in LA, and they were like, "Fix, fix, fix her." Yeah. No, we need we need her back. So I have the feeling that if they hadn't done that and I'd been on my own, just seeing doctors, it would have taken possibly quite a bit of time. Wow. Yeah. Wow, so it really came on super fast. Like you had not been living with the symptoms throughout the years like I had been experiencing, but never had the right doctors or the proper diagnosis till almost 20 years later in my life. So you went from Shana, normal person, working to a full-blown multiple sclerosis flare. Yeah, and so all of the symptoms went away because they immediately put me on IV, uh, you know, solumedrol. Uh, but my entire right arm from the shoulder all the way to my hand, I never regained feeling in that. Wow. It's permanent. But the, the, the really strong symptoms I had, those went away. But then, you know, others over the years, you know, started to creep their way in. Different. Yeah, the phantomist, the phantomistic disease of 
MS comes and goes. It's like a phantom that we can't see or control or know when it's going to affect us. So with that being said, tell me how you've been able to like move your life forward and create this incredible artwork, which is so beautiful. And the fact that you use your fingertips because we lose feeling constantly in our fingertips or we're holding a cup of coffee and then there's no more grip and you're dropping things and break so many glasses and plates still it's it's constant yeah um so what happened was if i was i never trained or planned to be an artist i only took one art class when I was studying abroad in Italy and I got a B plus and I think it was the teacher was very generous with that grade. I think it was like <laughs> I was trying, but it just wasn't my you know, I just wasn't good at it. And um, I became a working screenwriter and that's what I was doing out here in LA uh, when all this happened. And but the first the first ten years of of having MS, it didn't, it affected me, but it didn't. Once I kind of got used to the symptoms and got on shots and got a hold of my diet and my sleep and everything, it kind of just settled into, I had symptoms constantly, but they were fairly minor. Okay. So I I had many, many years. Just go where I just went a long way. Um, I was always extremely active in terms of dancing and working out. So I took, you know, two to three hours of dance class a day, six days a week, coupled with boxing and yoga. And my neurologist said to me many times uh, that he really felt like me being so active was really, really helpful in keeping everything kind of at bay and and not getting too bad um but then after that stuff started my my vision really started to go yeah i i don't go like black blind but it's i I like to tell people it's It's like if you saran wrap over my eyes and then smear vaseline on it yeah that's a good explanation i've always had a hard time trying to describe that one but my, it's always my left eye. And it my, mine starts to go like a tunnel and then it's like black spots and then it just goes blind. And then there's days with both eyes, all of a sudden are completely blurred, like something just went over my eyelid and I can't see it all and I'm rubbing, rubbing, rubbing and I'm like, I'm having a flare. Yeah, that's how mine goes. And the way I came up with the saran wrap is I actually did it on my parents one day. And when that's I did so it, smart. it like, you know, both started. I mean, it was, you know, it was a powerful way to kind of have figured it out. To visualize it. Yeah, I like that you said that. And I think that if you don't mind, I would really love to continue to bring that kind of that up to help people understand what it's like when we lose our eyesight. Cause it's yeah. scary. It's you know, and it's it's an it's an every day is a new adventure. You know, it's right? Like, I can wake up like that, or it'll just happen. So, but my vision started to go, and then I really started to have problems with 
um, brain fog. And for a writer, that those two things combined really don't work at all. Yeah. Um, so it just got to the point that I could no longer write between the brain fog and the constant vision issues. Um, and I was having other issues as well, but those were what, that was like the pivotal thing that kind of forced me to, to stop writing. Um, mm. And I, I really struggled for several years because, you know, I, I didn't I, I didn't know what to do. What, what could I do? Yeah. It didn't involve my eyes or my brain. There's not, you know, there's not a lot. Um, but do you find yourself being able to still write screenplays and when you're having like a really good couple of months where it's not? No, you can't. I, my, I don't, I really don't feel like my, my brain is, uh, has the capacity that it once, that it once did. Okay. Um, plus, the more I'm typing or looking, you know, down and using my eyes, the worse the vision gets. So that's why sometimes I won't be on Instagram for a while. Most of the time it's because I'm having vision issues. And it's just, I need to save my vision for helping my son with homework and, you know. Yeah, just. I hear you. I totally hear you. I do know that now that I've been doing um, Live with Marie and all the research I have to do, for the interviews and moving forward and reaching out, I've noticed I've had more vision issues. Um, and then I have to take a break. And then even when I'm trying to write, sometimes when I do a post, I forget words. It's like the brain is not like, like I believe I'm doing it, but it's actually not happening. And then I'll go back and look at what I wrote. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I missed like an entire line of speech that I swear to God I did write, but it didn't actually go on the paper. So I can understand how frustrating that is. So you were a screenplay writer for a long time, and then you found another gift, which is becoming a beautiful artist. Yeah, it was, it, so what happened was, um, is that I, I stepped out of the door, you know, here I am this dancer since age three, and it's the most important thing to me, really, my happy place, my everything, and um, I stepped out of the doorway of a house I had been in and out of for years, I stepped out wrong and tore my ankle, oh. and, um, that is what really changed everything in my life, because there I was now, stuck in bed, I had that surgery. Um, I could I could no longer write. I couldn't dance. I was like creatively constipated, basically. <laughs> I mean, that's like the best way I can think of it. And um, it, I, I don't I don't really remember what made me go like pick up my son's like cheap art supplies that he had, but something did. And I was like, you know, I do remember trying to paint with the paintbrush. I kept dropping it and then it messed everything up and I, and I got crazy frustrated. And um, I was just like about to just toss the whole thing. But I, I, ha I, I was sitting on the floor uh, because I sit on the floor all the time. And I 
rested the canvas on my knee for a second. I mm-hmm. like, I was, you know, to, to lean over and grab something. Yeah. As my knee was like pushing up on the canvas a bit, the paint started to move. And I was like, oh, what's that? And so I took my thumb from underneath the canvas and I started to like work it. And it started to kind of like make the paint spread and change and do some like freaky effect things. How and cool. I was like, oh, this, this is cool. And so I just started like, I, I messing around with paints and I, I became a bit of a chemist even. I just started mixing different things. I, I didn't, you know, know what to do to create things. And I just started buying products and experimenting and it evolved into a full on finger painting, but just in my, my own way. Yeah, but you created an incredible gallery and a new way of expressing yourself in such beauty. Like there's, I I mean, I love when I always call you and say, can I like repost that video? I love it when you do your videos and you have music playing and you're moving and you're dancing and I put it into the ad for today's interview because you can really feel the magic of what you're creating. It is, it's like watching a beautiful musical background to, you know, watching Broadway. It's just, or watching an incredible movie ready to happen. It is so enchanting. And I love the one of you, and I don't know if it's the painting behind you, but you're or you could have been sitting in front of the painting behind you but you were singing you were sitting down kneeling and you were painting and moving and then the music went up and you were just like and i believe you were doing sign language yeah unbelievable that is the most powerful post ever it was it was a piece that was it's similar it's it's not this one um but yeah, so I also have a thing called synesthesia, which means that my when I hear music, yeah, these colors. And because I was a dancer for so at such a young age, um, my brain somehow kind of manipulated what I saw into dancing. And ah. so I, you know, with each song, I see a full like as soon as I hear it, it's a style of dance. You know, they're very different. It's fully choreographed, lit costumes. Some some might be like a tap dancing hip hop group of dudes. Uh, you know, one might be, you know, contemporary aerial dance. I mean, I, it's all kinds of dance. And wow. so what I try to do is I, I listen to nothing but that song for hundreds and hundreds of times while I'm creating the piece so that I can hopefully try to, you know, interpret the energy, the choreography, the emotion onto the canvas. It's not literal, uh, but it's just, it's the best kind of way that my brain can do all of that. Well, I think it's incredible. I think it is, you lost one thing, being able to screenplay right, but you were given 
such an amazing gift that people cannot duplicate. And you, it's incredible. I lost dance too. I can't, because I've now had but, seven on this foot. Like the, my foot is, it's not good. I can't even, you know, going to the grocery store, sometimes that puts me in bed then for the rest of the day. So I, oh. I lost, you know, a, my mobility uh, for, you know, except around the house. Um, so that's why I call what I do dancing through paint because you know, I am still getting to tell stories. I'm just using the paint rather than, you know, a computer. Yeah. And I'm still dance. I'm just using my hands rather than my entire body. But and the video I'm talking about is me, you know, it shows the limited amount of dancing and movement that I can still do. But I am just constantly moving around while I'm doing it. I get lost in the in the dance and the music and, and the song. I think you get lost in the paint too. And, and and because you've learned how to like let that paint move, it's it's just so creative and so magical. And it's almost like you know the movie um uh it's a Disney movie. It's Mickey Mouse and he like makes everything dance and move around. <laughs> what is that fan what is it? <laughs> That's what you're doing. It's like you are bringing that paint to life with the music in your hands. And, I mean, people, go out to her Instagram. Go to her website. And if you live up in L.A. next to her studio, go in. Because it is like you are seeing a totally different world from a beautiful artist who lost a lot of things but gained such an incredible gift because nobody else can do what you do. You are your best artist ever. And you said when you went to art school, he gave you a very good B when you thought you didn't need it. But that artist has been living inside of you your entire life. And through that twist of turns of what we've all been through, living with MS, we know we've lost things. But when we really harness in on what we've lost, that will keep us trapped. When we harness in on moving forward and what else do I have to give and move forward, look what you've created. It's magical. It's incredible. It saved me for sure because it's very easy after so many years. You know, I feel like when I was first diagnosed, you know, I was like, I'm going to, you know, I mean, and I did. I dominated it for quite a long period of time. But after a while, you just, you know, it's very easy just to get beaten down and, and lose your lose who you were, lose your hope, lose your positive outlook. Um, it's just become so much, it can be overwhelming. And mm -hmm. it, it gave me a sense of purpose again. It made me feel like a viable human being again who could contribute, who could earn money, mm -hmm. who could know my son who I'm raising by myself, you know, you're gonna get hit with things and 
know, you've got to not only figure out how to get back up, but think completely outside of the box for, you know, it, 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 it almost serves, you know, two purposes. It's like with MS, there's no, there's no prescription, right? I mean, right. it affects everything differently and everything you try, be it a medication or an alternative therapy or a food regimen. Mm -hmm. it, we were twin sisters and we got diagnosed at the same time. One of us literally could be in a wheelchair and one of us could be, you know, climbing mountains. So it, nothing affects anybody the same way. And there's no. no path. The doctors can't guarantee, can't say. They can't guarantee us anything of how long the episode's going to last, if we're going to regain any of our strength, if we're going to regain our speech, or um, I have, uh, everything happens on the right side of me and then my left eye, which is actually really strange. But my whole right side of my face constantly is like, you know, it'll go down and you'll notice my speech and my lip movement and my, my jawline will drop. And it literally looks like I'm having a stroke. And then it's always my right arm, always my right leg always giving out on me, like thinking I'm drunk or had too much drink and I and I don't. Do I drink? Yes, at nighttime, I have a very healthy glass of wine. <laughs> Should I do it every night? Probably not. I'd rather do that than to take all the pain medication. So that's my healthy balance, but you experience the pain in all different other parts of your body. And then the one thing that we all seem to find very much in common is that brain fog. Yeah, the brain fog, it, it's, um, it, it breaks your spirit down. It does. It, it does. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a logophile, right? I love words. Words to me are food, you know. And to be trying to talk to my son while I'm cooking dinner mm -hmm. and say, can you hear me the, and it's right there. And right. I, Known the word fork, you know, since I was, you know, young, and I, and I'm like the, with the, it's, it's frustrating. It's, it's like someone just went in there and they've got a screwdriver, and they're trying to like tighten the bolt, but then the bolt fell off, and you can't come up with the simplest words. I'm constantly saying, can I get the, um, you know, the, uh. Uh, the thing, uh, uh, it, it, it's, uh, and it's not like playing a game. It literally is our brain and brain fog shutting all of us down. Yeah. Well, and, it, and it's one thing to be here with my son, right? You know, he knows what's happening, so he'll start guessing or he'll just grab things. Mm -hmm. But to be somebody who you can't see in me nor in you, um, any of the stuff that's going on at any given time at all and so people don't know what's you know what's going on or they'll hear i have ms and they they won't believe me or you know i've i've gotten yelled at using a disabled handy you know, oh let's please talk about that i've got a permanent placard for that for a long time i used to be superstitious for the first 10 years I wouldn't, if I was in a parking lot, I would not walk through cap space. I wanted to be like universe, keep it away from me. I would walk around one. 
uh, you know, that's because I was just like, I don't want to jinx. I don't want to invite that to the universe. And now, you know, I don't use it every day, but if I am having a day where my foot is dropped and I am having a hard time walking, I will use it. And I will get yelled at by people because I look normal. And I got to tell you, you're 100% right because, first of all, I got my placard three years ago um, when I was at my worst and forgetting everything, falling constantly, not remembering where I like put my car or how I got to a certain location. And my neurologist is like, Dumri, your lesions are getting bigger. They're affecting your frontal lobe. They're affecting your speech. They're affecting everything. If you look at last year's to this year, she goes, you really need a handicap placard because you need to be close enough to the store to try to get in and get what you want and get out. And I walked to the DMV that day at AAA, not not DMV. I went to AAA to go get my placard and fill everything out. And when they called me up, I just started crying in front of this poor woman that had no idea who the heck I was. I handed her the paperwork and when she saw multiple sclerosis, it's a good thing that, not a good thing, but her sister had MS. So she was so kind to me and so, compassionate and said I know what you're going through and I understand but this is to help you and I'm like I don't want it you don't understand and she goes there are going to be days that you're going to have to use it and because of the car that I drive I drive a convertible for Porsche so there's days when I really have to use it and I know I got to get in and get out and my I'm exhausted or I'm losing my eyesight, or I can't move my arm well, or my speech is just like we were just speaking about, and I park in the handicap, people are just mean. I had a woman screaming at me, how dare you? So, and instead of me just being like, to walk away from it, I pulled out, you know the paper we have to carry with us? Yes. Oh, you pulled it out too. I pulled it out and said, Please don't ever be rude to someone again and judge. Here is my medical paperwork that you get from the DMV. Do you have this placard car? Here's my license. It is me. I am not trying to use a space taking away from anybody. If I could have parked at the end of the parking lot, I would have. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and there's times where I'm feeling good and I will park not like at the end, but I'll park far out just because I can't like I'm like yeah. I, I want to walk like I wanna walk. We wanna walk. We wanna be able to be normal. We don't want to use that spot, but there are days when we need to. When I have to. Um but yeah, I mean I have been I was shamed, I would there were times I would cry. You know, and I, then I'd call my mom, cry, you know, just hysterical, and, and it would wipe me. And then with MS, sometimes if if you get very upset, that can trigger some symptoms. So I get, you know, sobbing, sobbing for a, for a while, that can trigger some more symptoms. So it's just like, you can't win. But I eventually kind of learned, um, you know, a few phrases that depending on what was said to me <laughs> I on with so you know now that I've done that interestingly enough I got yelled at more when I lived in Texas 
then then since when I moved because I had been here and then I went back to Texas for 10 years and I came back to LA and when I'm here it's very it's very infrequent but it was very frequent there it's just hard you cannot judge a book by its cover and that is a phrase that has been around for centuries don't judge the book by its cover it's that simple you have no idea what anybody is going through and I try to make it a purpose of when I am out and I'm feeling well and I notice something beautiful or someone beautiful or someone trying to help someone else I really acknowledge those situations you look amazing today oh my god thank you so much for opening the door and you know how is your day doing and smile and just bring joy to the world because we just need that compassion and that awareness of just pure love and hope well and I found too um I, you know, I, I've become a, a fairly good judge of if, if somebody, you know, would make a comment to me about that. I could pretty much quickly tell that if, if I, this might be a person who, this might be a learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I, I'll, I'll go ahead and say, hey, you know, I have this condition. I don't know if you're aware of it. It's called that. And, I'll, and half the time when I would do that, the person would, oh, my aunt had that. My grandmother had that. My husband's sister has that and then there's this rush of compassion and there might even be you know a friend of theirs there that they say oh you know and they'll even say but you she's in a wheelchair you know she you look so different um but i you know whenever there is an opportunity to teach um and to share the experience so that others will then have more compassion in other people when they're in situations I try to do that. Yeah. Because, um, you know, I, I used to make a very bad joke about MS needed, um, we needed Brad Pitt to get MS because when uh, Michael J. Fox got Parkinson's, I don't know if you remember, but I remember of education and support and research that went into Parkinson's because he was beloved by America because of family ties and, and Teen Wolf and Back to the Future. And um, so a lot of people, you know, didn't know much about Parkinson's and it became, mm -hmm. I used to joke, we need, like, you know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we do have, uh, not that I would wish this disease on anybody. I, I swear I would not. No, I would say, listen. But we have Selma Blair who lived yes. with it, who hid it, just like, well, I didn't hide it. I just didn't know what the hell was wrong with me and thought, I literally thought I was being haunted. I seriously thought there was going to be a point that my husband was going to put me in an insane asylum because I did, could not get the right doctors to diagnose me. And lived in torment. That's why I called my first book "Living with a Fan Living with Phantoms," because it felt like a phantom. But you know, with um, Selma Blair being diagnosed, there was a lot of hype around her for the first year, and then she did the new chemical trial drug. And when you see her today, she's doing great. But then, then you got to look on the other hand. I am allergic to every single one of those drugs. I can't take any of them 
And the last one that I took was a year and nine months ago, and it made me so suicidal that I tried to take my life. And if it wasn't for my husband, I would not be here today. So I am, I'm kind of the middle balance of if it's working for you, then do it. If it's not working for you and you happen to be like me in that one percentile of all the things that's going to go wrong with you, then don't do it. Find other options. I am 100% holistic now except for I have to take some Balta every morning. I do not make serotonin any longer on my own, which is a key factor to all of us living with MS. Serotonin is a simple piece of blood work any doctor can do. And if your levels are low, you're not gonna have that happy feeling to continue to move forward and push your body and push your mindset and keep moving. So to me, it's like get your best advocates on your life, be your best advocate, and get the doctors that, that work for you. That is like when people say, well, you know, I, I have a friend that's newly diagnosed, would you mind talking to them? Or if somebody says, what would you, what's your, big, your biggest piece of advice? You know, you could only have one thing. And I, my thing is learn, you, it's, you have to learn it. It's a skill and it's going to take a little time. You've got to become your own best advocate. Yeah. You've got to do the research. You've got to talk to other people knowing that what worked for them may not work for you, but get all the information and then start trying things. And if one doctor isn't helpful or you're not, it doesn't feel right, you find another. You, you have to push. You have to make the calls. It is literally like a full-time job. It's a full-time job, but it should be a full-time job for anybody, not just multiple sclerosis patients or, uh, right? Yeah. It's but, not just take this pill and do what I tell you. If you're not doing well and you're getting worse or you're noticing signs that my life is not getting better, I'm, pro I'm degressing and not progressing, you need to make a medical journal for each doctor and keep a list of what is going on because with our brain problem, the brain fog that we all face living with MS, by the time you get to your neurologist or your homeopathic doctor or your psychiatrist or whoever you have on your team, when you go to get it out, you, you forget half of it. So you need a medical journal to help you be able to go through or just hand to your doctor. Like my doctors now know, okay, she's coming in with the journal. <laughs> and they can flip through blood work from one doctor, flip through my brain MRI from my neurologist, flip through my, you know, my talks that I had with my therapist about being strong and I'm worthy. And I am the best I'm going to be. So I'm gonna love me take it with the disease or not, like I'm not gonna use it as a defense, I'm gonna use it as moving forward and being progressive. You know, I actually um, worked with a coach when I was back in Texas, and I was taught with him, it was quite an extraordinary experience, how to talk to doctors. Because what I found was how 
happening, especially if I was going and have a lot of neuropathic pain problems, uh, I would be crying, I wouldn't have makeup on, I'm in sweats, I'm trying to tell them how this is affecting my life and, and I'm you know, trying to raise a child by myself and I can't, and all this stuff, and they, they turn off. They, they see the tears, they get overwhelmed, and they would turn off. I, he coached me and taught me how to really speak with doctor. Yeah. It's like, no, even though you feel like hell, you can't go in looking like total hell. Because <laughs> they start to question, maybe you just need to talk to a therapist. No, 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 it's not about that. Mm -hmm. it's, so I need to present, but I, I, so I learned how to talk in bullet points with limited emotion. This is the fact, this is the effect, this is the effect, this is the effect, this is what I need. How does this, how, what are your thoughts? What's the plan? Mm -hmm. You know, put that out and then see what they come back with. Half the time they'd be like, well, do you have ideas? Was there something that you, and then, then the dialogue can, can really progress. Exactly. Uh, but, like what, what you're talking with, you know, I'll, I'll go to one doctor and they'll, because I am on quite a bit of medications, but I also now have a second major health issue. So, yes, on quite a bit of medication. And I'll go in to one of my doctors every year and she wants to take me off of certain things. Or she's like, ah, oh, we should get weaning you down on this. And I have my thing here, you know, like you said, and I say, but see, I've been on the same dosage of this for nine years. I've never asked to try it up nine years. And then she goes, oh, yeah, you're right. Okay. All right. Then that's fine. You know, so it's, but if I didn't know exactly how long I'd been on something or mm -hmm. when I tried a medication and what those effects were. If I didn't have that, you can just go in circles. Yeah, and then that's when the doctor, and, and unfortunately, you know, not all my doctors are in the same network group where they're on that cool link now where they all see each other's reports. So that's where you have to become your best advocate and have copies of every report. That goes with you. And if it's not in a physical form of a piece of paper, have it in a digital form. Yes. And move forward with that because people travel. People want to go on vacation. People want to do this or that. And that is a key thing you got to carry with you. It's like bringing your baby. You don't get on a plane with no food or a bottle or diapers. You're prepared. So you need to be prepared for your own personal health as your best advocate. And that this is something that I believe that needs to be taught and, and really forced in schools. From preschool all the way up. Would that be a life skill for, you know? It's a life skill, but it's not taught. We need to get it to be able to continue to move forward and teach these skills. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and also, you know, with age, too, I'm, I, when I was first diagnosed, um, I, I became a, I was, there was a group that um, they were having at UCLA with Dr. Geyser, who was the head of MS at the time, of newly diagnosed people. And I was, I happened to be in a group um, 
there was one girl who she'd actually had it already. She'd been diagnosed, I think, when she was 15 or 16. Okay. He was just coming to the group just to kind of refresh what it's like to be the newly diagnosed and mm -hmm. to kind of share her experience with us. So, you know, when you're younger, I think you don't have the confidence or the wherewithal to think of some of these things that we're discussing. As you get older, you have more life experience, you start to learn things like that. But um, I think for people that are quite young, you know, early 20s and newly diagnosed, it's, it's a, much different than somebody perhaps who's um, but yeah, I think I think becoming your own best advocate and yeah. if you are able to move, keep moving. It, it's yeah. Area. You know, I mean, I do chair. There's days I can't be on my foot, so I do chair. And there's there's always something you can do. Non weight bearing stuff on the ground. Just keep. You know, I'll lay down and bicycle. You know, with my legs while I'm you know watching a dance show or something. And yeah. Keep moving at whatever parts you can. Whatever parts you can, move your body. Exactly. No matter how difficult it is, and I know it's painful for most of us, especially the ones that are beyond the pro beyond the secondary progressive MS. Um, I was at secondary progressive MS, and now I'm kind of like in the middle. I fluctuate to yes. relapsing remitting, and. Could that be my diet? Could that be me all holistic? I don't know. All I know is the disease is a phantom of tricks. And you just got to keep going with the flow. Going with the flow and finding, you know, something that you do talk about. So mm -hmm. find the joy. Find beauty in the day, whatever that may look like. You know, the, the beauty may not be that you're able to go to the beach and the waves or find it beautiful, but it can be something yeah. so, so simple. But you find the beauty in the day, you find, you know, yeah. find what you can and do your best every day. And some days, you know, a couple two days ago, I just wasn't great. And I just had to be like, I don't want to sit here and watch Netflix all day. Watching Netflix all day. <laughs> yeah, and I've been there. Sometimes I just kind of close all the curtains to my bedroom when I'm feeling like, okay, my brain's not working. I can't get anything out that I want to get out. I, 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 I'm really fatigued and I'm quite agitated and grumpy. And I'm like, that's it. I just wash my face, take off all my makeup. I lay my bed and I don't, I don't rest sleeping like I sleep at night. I rest the other way of the bed. So my body knows this is downtime. Do you do the same thing? A completely different way. Yeah. And on my bed, I have my, my TV set up specifically for that. Mm -hmm. So that I do the same. Yeah. Because we don't want our brains thinking our downtime is the same thing as sleep time because they're two totally different things. And speaking of sleep time, we deal with insomnia all the time. Like last night, I was up till 3.30 in the morning, laying there, rolling, tossing, turning, getting up, moving around, and I could not sleep for the life of me. And That's then, what, 
A the other day because I that was my night. Yeah. The earthquakes and the fires now. I mean, it's just like right. Yes. I think I think Mother Nature has MS. <laughs> said that before but I think she's going through some you know just yeah um what would your best advice be I ask this to every multiple sclerosis um warrior what would your best advice be to a newly diagnosed patient I mean I think it would be the combo of what the things we just talked about okay your best advocate, your own advocate. You've got to, you know, if the doctor says you try that, this will work, and it doesn't feel good, that medication. I, I'm not, I mean, I've tried medications that I can't try you on to a ton of times. Yeah. Um, you've got to hold your ground. You're the only person inside your body, right? So even my son, who I am with him, at, well, especially now, but I mean, I am with him constantly. It is, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not in his body, so he can tell me he doesn't feel well and he's got that, but I don't know exactly what it is. So you're the only person in your body. So you have got to communicate and figure out what you need and don't give up. Don't take no, or let's give it six more days before I put you on steroids to see if you're having a tech. No, no, no. I can't risk losing my vision. I can't risk. I need it now. Like, yeah. You know, you know, so be your own advocate. Um, and also, I think getting diagnosed now versus when, oh, yeah, I was up for years ago. There's so many things. That are different. Yeah, that are different. There's all kinds of new medications that there that there didn't used to be. There's there's always been alternative therapies, but there's now so many practitioners of alternative therapies that know a lot more about MS and therefore are able to really help you versus well, they kind you know, they maybe read a tiny, tiny bit about it, but they don't really get it, so therefore treat that you know what they're doing may not be quite as effective yes um so i I would say don't panic don't Mm -hmm. panic even because considering you know what like my first episode you know my hands were i could you could not unclaw them you know i felt like somebody was squeezing me around my crushing your rib cage and shutting down your organs yeah you know the pain and, and None of that, none of those specific things has ever happened to me again. Wow, you're lucky. I did lose, like I said, feeling. Yeah, feeling. And I, you know, I have vision issues every day. I have severe fatigue and sleep issues every day. The one consistent that I have every day is pretty much insomnia every night. And I live at a pain level of fatigue between a four and five every single day of my life. Oh, yeah. Mine's probably a little higher. Yeah. Mine's about a four or five. And it could be higher than that, but I've just been, I'm just so used to it that it's just kind of like, this is is me. This is my normal, if there ever really is a normal, which I still always debunk. There is no normal. Nobody's normal. Everybody's got something wrong with them. 
everybody. So, um, yeah. yeah I panic. I panic, yeah. especially There's when I'm getting the choke and it, it, it feels like someone is choking me. I can't swallow. I can't speak. I can't. I can't breathe. That one scares me. And the bear hug, I get constantly. And my husband will literally try to like, like hold my back and my muscles. And it is like in total crush mode. Like he can't even relax me. Yeah. You know, there's, and, and again, like we said, no two people are going to have the same thing. No. So it's, and it's, and it's going to change. And, and so you just, and it's very easy to say you have to learn how to be in the present. You have to learn self-forgiveness to, to be like, you know, I forgive myself for judging myself for mm -hmm. being too tired. I yeah. forgive myself for feeling like I'm a bad parent because I, I don't do this. With my. There's so many different things, you know, that, that go into it. Yeah. But I, I and I just, love how you just said that. I forgive myself. And that is something that whether you're dealing with a chronic disease or being a new parent or being just someone in the workforce that whatever the word normal is, you can you call yourself normal. Forgiveness of yourself and understanding you are who you are. And loving yourself for who you are is the best thing you can do for yourself. Did I lose you? I think I I think you froze. Did you freeze, Sean? Shayna, did you freeze? <laughs> Shoot. I hate it when Instagram does this. All right, guys. I think I'm frozen. Um, or it's uh, Shauna. I'm not quite sure. I think I just lost her. Um, all right, where is she? No, uh, can you guys still hear me? Um, okay, I think maybe Shauna's connection on the other end just died and we lost her. Hopefully she'll come back on and we can continue our amazing podcast um i like to thank everybody so much for watching it over here now on live with Don marie podcast and moving forward with um bringing you amazing interviews from around the world and continuing to support one another living with my main cause multiple sclerosis or any autoimmune disease and bringing you artists and beautiful authors and people from all around the world. I am looking to continue to book up November now um, for upcoming podcasts and going from there. And I will continue to be doing them here on Live with Marie podcast channel. And this is where all of the live interviews will exist from this point on moving forward. And then those of you who have just joined me here that do not know that I have my main page is called Live with, excuse me, is called Domery Healthy and Fit. 
and that is where my website is that is where I post everything about moving forward in your life being positive every single day looking for the joy and the love of what you have and what you can control in your own personal life because you are your best advocate of your life you are your number one cheerleader you are the one that looks in the mirror every day and you should all be saying i love you for you because you are incredible so with all that being said i believe that we unfortunately lost um her and i'm so sad because it was such a great interview but i will have her back on live with Dom Marie podcast and if you loved this episode please comment on it and if you are not following me yet please go and follow me on apple podcast live with Dom Marie or spotify live with Dom Marie podcast and follow me from there all of my episodes are up and running and if you follow me on apple leave a review on what you thought of the interview and also please dm me on things that you want to see here live with dom marie so thank you so much for joining today i appreciate you all i love you all and continue to spread awareness for us of multiple sclerosis and help us find a cure if you don't know a lot about the disease and you want to learn more dm me and i will help you along the way so thank you so much and have a fabulous afternoon and i will talk to you all soon and shana i love you for coming on i'm so sorry we lost you during the live podcast you are an incredible warrior an incredible spirit everybody please go follow her on her instagram if you live in la go visit her studio she is a shining star and our sister for multiple sclerosis warriors Shana, I love you. Thank you so very much. And thank you for joining today. Have a fabulous day. And I will see you next week. Bye-bye.